I was watching Ben Chilwell pull his hamstring and then carried the tunnel and he was practically dead. Yeah, she's when he had passed away. Like that, that word was used. Oh, it's, a, it's a tragedy. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. You're welcome to the Camden. I'm Nathan Murphy from Off the Ball. It's a pleasure to be here. Have we any Liverpool fans in the house? What's the most retro jersey we've got out there? I like that green one, yeah, that's good. Have we got anything? Got anything pre-90s? Anything pre-90s? Anything of the John Aldridge? Oh, we got a couple of nice candy, yeah, anything from the John Aldridge era? All right, we have got a brilliant night lined up for all you Liverpool supporters. Are there any non-Liverpool supporters here? Just so we can isolate you and point and laugh. Oof. She's watching, what's that, your Open League you're watching? You enjoy that, you enjoy that. So we got a brilliant night lined up. Carlsberg, incredibly excited to welcome you all here tonight in association with Liverpool Football Club. They are celebrating 30 years in partnership. What have Liverpool won in those 30 years? Absolutely everything. League Cups? FA Cups? European Super Cups? Club World Cups? Champions League? Several of them. And a Premier League title. You're going to have to get your noise levels up a little bit more. We've got two very, very special guests for you tonight. Two of the greatest strikers to ever play the game. Please give them a very big Dublin welcome. It's Robbie Fowler and John Aldridge. Thanks for coming to Dublin. Pleasure Ple- to have you here. Pleasure, thank you. Thanks uh, for having us. Is, is, can I, any chance of a, a bevy light? Someone get John Aldridge a drink. Uh, uh, what, um, what are you drinking? Uh, can I have a Carlsberg Guinness, please? <laughs> Somebody put it in a non-see-through glass for uh, John, if that's possible. Uh, in terms of links and you two as players together, you were obviously gone from Liverpool before you joined the club. Had you been there around John's time? Had you been on trials? Had you been around the academy? Uh, well, well, obviously, I, yeah. I mean, when he was playing, I was coming through the ranks, so I would have been... Uh, you were 88? 80, 88, 89? Yeah, that was 87. 89, so yeah, I was... Uh, I was January 87. Yeah, I was 30. I was obviously a schoolboy. I was trained at a sense of excellence a couple of times a week, so we didn't really, didn't really mix with the plebs, did he? But, but you worshipped him, didn't you? Yeah, oh, of course. You modelled your game. I mean, in, in all fairness, I mean, genuine, he was an unbelievable goal scorer. I think the amount of goals he scored for Liverpool was incredible. Um, you know, sadly, he was only there for you know for, for eighteen months. When you eighteen yeah, months, and years, I think yeah. uh, I think he would have been there longer. I mean, his goal record would have been certainly up there. Yeah, it is insane. One of the great things about doing shows like this is just spend hours and hours on YouTube watching the compilation videos. Like two full seasons, sixty goals. For Liverpool in those two full seasons for John Aldridge. It is a remarkable record. It wasn't good enough because Kenny Dalglish told me. <laughs> Work that one out. No rocket science, is it? How many do you think you would have had to have uh, scored for him to not bring Ian Rush back? <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I, I was very fortunate uh, to, to play in a really fantastic Liverpool side, well balanced from back to front. And um, Robbie will tell you. As, as much as we were, we were natural goal scorers, you know, it was just in us, you, you do need service. 
And I had Peter Beasley there, Ray Houghton, and we all know how good Ray was, wow, Brainy as well, and John Barnes. It doesn't get much better than that. So well, that, that I, summer of, was it 87? So you've just signed into January, and they sign John Barnes, Ray Houghton, Peter Beardsley. Like, yeah. that is a dream for a striker. Well, it's Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, isn't it? You just, you just, <laughs> I'm looking when, when Peter come in, we knew his ability, and then I'm doing John Barnes, wow. I'm ridiculous. Uh, and, and then Ray, who was a friend of mine anyway, from Oxford days and the Ireland days, I uh, couldn't have asked any, any, any better three players, really, to, to, to see me up. But it was the whole way through the team as well, like watching some of them goals, like Steve McMahon was getting into real advanced positions, yep. maybe a far more creative player than he got uh, credit for. Like Steve Nichols' range of passing the goal in the 89 Cup final, his pass from the back that broke the... But, but Steve, Nichol, Steve Nichol, he was, he was a full-back. He played anywhere, Nichol. But he'd score from, from the full-back area, he'd score 10, 12 goals a season without a penalty. That tells you how good he was going forward. I mean, he was a great player, very underrated. You just mentioned Steve McMahon. We were with Steve McMahon last night as well. And, and I was surprised how many goals he scored for Liverpool from, you know, obviously an attacker midfielder. I think, did he say he had 50 in 180 games? Or he said, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Steve scored 50 goals, which, like, it's, it's one in four or one in five from midfield. I wish we had players like that now. We haven't got one who does that from midfield. Kenny Dalglish, obviously, usually important in your career, John, bringing you to the club. In terms of his role in getting you to Liverpool, is the story of him driving you back in the big fancy car, back to Toxted, uh, to, yeah. to sway you from being a blue? I mean, obviously, didn't need, didn't need, didn't need to sway me. Uh, I'm, I'm, as a young kid, I was. I mean, we never had a car. And I used to get two buses up to Melbourne, which was the training ground. And um, this particular night was freezing cold. And I've obviously done my training, finished the training, put my uniform back on. And um, I'm waiting at the bus stop and Kenny pulls up in this big white Mercedes. This Mercedes was bigger than my house, you know, it was huge. And uh, I'm a little bit embarrassed now because Kenny lives in a, in a huge mansion in, in Formby and I live in, in Toxiv, so a little bit embarrassed. Um, I mean, I didn't really want him to go near mine because I think his wheels probably would have went missing if he'd have got, if he'd have got near me. So um, gets in a car, get, gets about a mile from my house and um, just gets gets home from a mile away and uh, I went to school the next day telling everyone that King Kenny dropped me off no one believed me you know no one believed me and as you say just a remarkable time to get that balance as a young kid of say 14 or 15 and a player and a manager of the calibre of Kenny Dalglish to rate you that highly that he would take time out of his day to make sure that you signed for Liverpool how did you not lose the run of yourself well, I, I don't think it was the fact that you were a good player. I think it was just a, a case of what the club was all about. So the, whether you were a, you know, a kit man, whether you were a caretaker, whether you were a young player, I think everyone was treated the same. And I think that's the, the, the specialness about Liverpool. You know, we obviously pride ourselves on being a, a family club. Um, I mean, you, you look at the, the, the badge behind us, Carlsberg. The fact is that they've been with the club for over 30 years, or 30 years now. I mean, that tells you a little bit about the synergy that the club has with, with certain people. Uh, and I was just, I was just another player. And look, it wasn't because I was a good player; it was just because I was a Liverpool player. What was he like in terms of, uh, as a coach? Obviously, you were just making your way through, and it was Graham Souness by the time you actually made your breakthrough to the club. Having the likes of a Douglas, Aldridge, Rush, I don't know how much you got to see them in training in those formative years. Yeah, you'd have certain days as as a young kid, and you go up and you'd watch, you'd watch. And you'd watch them train. 
and, and you watch it, and that's, that's the beauty of Liverpool. So all through the years, Liverpool have always had brilliant, and obviously I'm a striker, so they've always had brilliant strikers. So even if they're not taking you aside and telling you what to do, you watch them on the training pitch, and uh, you can't fail to you know to learn something every every single time you watch them training. Um, you, you, you watch that and you just think, well, these are incredible players. So, I mean, you take notes. And certainly as a young lad growing into the game, his goal-scoring ability was, was, was up there with the best you know, that we've seen. And, you know, him and the likes of Rushy, you're watching them training and it, it's, it's special watching them. The fact that you're here 30 years later, John would suggest you're in no way underappreciated for what you did for Liverpool and winning the title and winning the FA Cup. But say the fact that you have to sort of remind yourself you scored so many goals. Do you, do you, do you feel you get the, the full of read that people realise just just how many goals you did score in those couple of years? Um, yeah, obviously I know. I'm very proud because uh, you know I was brought up like like Robbie in in South End of Liverpool. And all I ever wanted to do was to play for Liverpool. As a kid, I went to my first game in the mid '60s. Watched Lawrence and Lawler, Ben Milnyak, <laughs> Stevenson, Callahan. Hunt, St John Smith, Thompson, loved them all. No one more so than Roger Hunt, who was, to me, iconic, along with Bill Shankly. And I just wanted to wear number eight. I wanted to, when I got older, to play for Liverpool and put number eight on, 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 on my back. Because, you know, he's, he's, he's like a demigod to me. And I've done it. You know, and that's, you know, I'm honoured to have done that. And, and you know, it's, it's a massive part of my life, knowing that I actually did what I wanted to do as a kid and live, live the dream. And to be of an age when you could appreciate it as well, you know, you're in your late 20s, you've, you've gone through the hard yards, you've, you know, you've done it in Division 4, 3, 2, 1, worked your way up to the absolute pinnacle. Yeah. You weren't, and I heard you talking to Jamie Carragher about this recently, that, you know, Carragher was a one-club man. That, like it's almost like you coming back to Liverpool the second time, being able to fully appreciate how special it is to play for a club of that size. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone could say any better. Yeah. I mean, in, in a way, it sounds stupid, but I'm glad I left Liverpool because you know what the clubs are like and nothing compares to, to Liverpool. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that as a cliched answer. I think I know, the, 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 I mean, I've mentioned it before, but the specialness of, of the club and... It just grabs you. But when you go away and you see other clubs and you see how they're run and you know the fans like, don't get me wrong, I, I played for some of the big clubs, but I mean they're not a patch on Liverpool. Scoring then in front of the cop. Uh, scoring in front of the cop is something that obviously everybody in this room just dreams of, and uh, unfortunately for 99.99% of us, never happens. For you, John, can you, can you talk about that? Because both of you have an incredible record of how quickly you started scoring goals for the club as well. Can you talk about the memories of the emotion of that happening for the first time, having stood in it as a kid? Yeah, one of the goals that I always remember, because it was my very first goal for Liverpool, it was my, my debut, my full debut at Anfield against Southampton. And um, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was... 20 minutes to go, to go and Jan Malby free kick and I, and I got I was round about the back post about 12 yards out so I've, I've headed it right across goal went off the far post past Peter Shilton the England goalkeeper fucking made it better that by the way <laughs> and, 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 and next next like and Robbie will tell you it's when you score it's quite euphoric and, and because you, you get carried away and you don't remember what you've done for like 30 seconds so, so I've gone to Danny Rowe then and I'm running back towards the cop, 
And it's one of those moments in your life, like the, the birth of your first child. As I'm going, going back to the, towards the cop, the, the cop's singing my name. The cop, 20 odd thousand people singing my name. And I look at him going, wow. And I looked above the crossbar where, where Bruce was standing in the area where I went to every single home game. And I looked, knowing my mates who used to go with me were still standing in the same area seeing me score. And it was that, knowing your, your air sticks on the back of your head, and you, you think, wow, what a moment. That was the time that I knew that all my, my dreams as a kid has really happened. It was, it was such a, a magic moment. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Of course, it could have been better, John. You could have scored five. I know. So by the, by the fifth goal, had the novelty worn off? No, no Joe, I mean, all those spot on. So when you score your first goal, my, my first goal was away from home. Uh, obviously, it was against Fulham in the League Cup, but we had to play them in the home leg in the second. Uh, and I mean, I didn't really realise the significance until I'd finished, until I'd finished playing. That, you know, that was my, my first game as a professional at Anfield. I scored five goals in a 5-0 win. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm very... I'm very unegotistical. I mean, people who know me tell you I'm, I'm very, I'm to the point where I'm half shy. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, scoring five goals as a, as a young 18-year-old was, I mean, just it, it was phenomenal. I mean, I'd, I'd probably be where about doing, you know, that you know when you think about it, and you look at kids right through, you know, all the fantastic plays. You see, and, and like you can, when Steve Gerrard was young, you know he's going to make it. You see, like Trent, when I seen Robbie Owens all day long but to play at that age in your first game and score that man's goals is fucking unreal by the way excuse me language but you, you know one of the one of the genuine things about it you know obviously i've scored the, the fifth goal and i I'm, I'm i've just scored five goals and I'm, i've got the biggest head in the world you know i'm i'm the best player there's ever been you know i'm built and then i missed a few of the chances you know, but I wasn't bothered, I just scored five goals. And I remember going off the pitch and, you know, I'm sat down in the dressing room and I'm waiting for all the coaches to tell me I am the best player I've ever seen. And Ronnie Moran just turned around and went, you should have had six, you spotty little bastard. <laughs> he was probably spot on as well, didn't Ron, Ron, Ronnie was, Ronnie was always, in, in business, you have a good cop, bad cop, don't you? So Roy Evans was the good cop. Ronnie was the bad cop. And when, when I, I'll tell you this story quickly about him because when I came to the club, Rushy left and he loved Ian, he loved Tosh, loved Rushy. Um, so me and him didn't really say eye to eye when I first went to the club, Ian Ronnie. They appreciated what he was doing. Anyway, this day, um, when, when, when Rushy come back, this sums it up. So we used to always have shooting on a, only on a Thursday, wasn't it? Just only on a Thursday for. 15 minutes and, and used to play the ball into Ronnie and he'd lay it off and then you'd have a shot against Bruce. So anyway, Ray, Ray Hound went first and he passed it and he laid it off and Ray hit it and I went past the post and he went, Ray, hit the target, hit the target, son. So I went next and he, and he, he laid it off and I smashed it and hit the bar and went over the top. He said, hold on, you bugger. He said, make the goalie work. I'm going, there we go again. He's on me again. So Rushy went next, and he played into me later off, and Rushy tried to bend in the top corner, and it went past the post, he went, happens in the game, son. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, true story.
I am always fascinated about that striker's mentality as to maintaining your confidence. And I was talking to Mike alone for an interview about a year ago, and he was talking about his mindset, which was just impossible to comprehend how he was saying in a warm-up, if he missed every shot in the go, brilliant. I've got all my bad shots out of the way, I'm saving for the game. If he scored every shot in the go, brilliant. I'm in the form of my life, I'm going to deliver. But no matter what happened, he thought he was going into that game going to score goals and could forget about misses like that. Were you like that? Yes, I think, I think what was important that you always finished. In a warm-up, it's always important that you finish with a good, a good effort or a, or a goal. I think what Michael's saying is probably spot on to the game. I think we're all confident enough to go out there and, and do what we need to do. But if your last shot and you're, you're smashing it into the cop, then that gives you a little bit of a, a different feeling as opposed to, you know, to, to scoring a goal. What about you, John? Yeah. Um, yeah, the same thing. You, to be fair, going into the game when you, when you warm up, you, you want to be scoring goals. You, you don't just feel confidence. Because if, if, you, if you, you're not in the right, you're thinking, oh, come on, you don't get it right. So I, I, I really, I don't say I, it hampered me too much, but it's always nice to go to a game full of confidence, you know, by knowing that you, you, you're in it. But it, it can work either way. You, you could do, you could, it's like when you're playing golf or whatever, you practice your putting, you put everyone in and you go on the 18 you don't put a bloody putt in. So it can work both, both ways, really. What's the goal that stands out for you, John? What's the one you look back on? with the fondest memories? Well, mine, mine's more... <sighs> the most important goals I ever scored is because of 96 people, 97 people dying. Because the replay of Hillsborough was the one game I'll always remember going into when my stomach and my brain was going, you can't lose this game. The thought of losing that game was absolutely horrendous, folks. It was horrendous. Because you're thinking, you've got to do it for people who's passed, who passed away, who got killed, got killed. Um, and, and the families. So we won the game 3-1, and I got, I got two goals that day. And, and it was unbelievable sense of relief after that game. Then, no, it's, it's just it's true. So then, we had to go into the final, and then, I could take getting beat by Everton in the final because at the time everyone united, you know, in Liverpool. Uh, and I thought, well, yeah, I can take getting beat. But then you still have that chain of body in your body saying, well, we've got to, we've got this for, we've got to do for the families now and, and, and in honour of, of the, the, the people who, who got, got, got killed. And we did, and we won that, which was, was really nice, you know, um, for that reason and, and for, your, for your mental aspect as well. Yeah, and to get that gold so early in the final for you as well. Yeah, yeah, well, but you know what? It's, it's quite, quite weird. This is a bit eerie, a bit weird, ladies and gentlemen. I don't, I don't believe in all that shite, but um, my, my last touch of the 1988 Cup final was that penalty. And it wasn't a penalty miss. It was the best save I've ever seen from a penalty in my life from Dave Bassett. And that was my last touch. Kenny uh, brought Craig Johnson on for me straight after that. So I came off, I was good. My last touch, 88. Rolled the dice forward, 89 cup final. Everton had kickoff. My first touch was more or less in the same place where the penalty was, and it went where the penalty should have gone, where it meant it to go. Now that is weird. <laughs> that is really, really 97 reasons weird.
what about you, Robbie? There's so many great goals from every possible angle. I'm uh, thinking of the personal favorite is the one where you spin Steve Staunton against Villa and just smack it in from 25 yards. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that was a good goal. I mean, I love tappings, in all honesty. I think as a, as a striker, I think that's what you're meant to do. You're meant to, your bread and butter is to score the tappings, get on the end of maybe crosses from the likes of Barnes, you know, passes from Rush or whoever. Um, I mean, I think everyone now and again can score spec speculative goals. I mean, the one against, obviously, Aston Villa with Steve Stone. I mean, Steve had to pay to get back in, you know. He, but um, my, my favourite goal was the last game in the uh, 2001 season was against Charlton. So we'd won everything in the, um, the, the, we won the League Cup, the FA Cup and the UEFA Cup. But we needed to qualify for the, uh, for the Champions League to make this season the best. Now, it wasn't a Pelé-esque overhead kick. It was an overhead kick, it was measured. And, and for me, but because of what it meant, you know, it wasn't an unbelievable goal, but it, it meant more to myself and the team and the fans because not only had we won all the trophies, but we'd qualified for the Champions League. And I think that's what we, um, we set out to do. Yeah, there's a, a long, long list to choose from. Yeah. One thing I always wonder, which is when we talk about the first five or six years when you're in that Liverpool team and people reflect on it as a time of underachievement compared to what had gone before for the previous 20 years. Uh, you must get a bit pissed off when you hear that, when you're like, well, I scored 30 goals three seasons in a row. It's not on me, pal. Well, it is because it's a team game. So, you know, you do, you're doing a job and you're there to score goals. And um, I mean, I don't know if anyone's looked at the, the record, but the defend, defensively, we weren't as bad as what people made out. You know, we just lost silly games. And I think I can see a little bit of this team in, in, in our team in certainly 96. There's absolutely no problem. We'd beat the likes of you know, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, all the good teams. But we struggled against the likes of Wimbledon and Coventry, and no disrespect to them, we should be beating them. And that's where we probably came on. So I don't know the reason why. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you, win as a it's what, you win as a team and you, you lose as a team. And I mean, there's no one getting any special credit because obviously, you know, I score goals and we never, we never won what we, what we wanted to win. So would you have ever finished a season around that period where you had scored a ridiculous amount of goals and gone, you know, I'd have had a good season, even if there was no silverware there? Yeah, you know, you'd say, yes, I've, I've had a good season, but you're gauged on what you win. You know, you're gauged. I mean, I, I, we see the game now and, and everyone loves talking about what players earn and you know, money, money plays a big part. You know, I weren't interested in money and, and all will be the same. I think when you finish your career, you want to be remembered for the trophies you've won, not what you've got in the bank. It's, it's all about, certainly, certainly for Liverpool, it's all about trophies and, and that's the way it should be. Did you feel as, as the local kids a weight because of the decline, if that's the word to use, from being contending for titles and winning titles that, that you and you were taking a lot on your shoulders? No, not really, no. I, I think I'm, I have spoke to obviously young, um, certainly local players who have played for Liverpool and a lot of them have said oh, yeah, they, they felt more pressure being local. But I, I thought I was mentally strong, so I, I, could, I could handle it, I could adapt to the situation. And, and it's like anything, and, and the advice to any, any kids out there is, I mean, you focus on what you can do, you know, and, and try and be as, as simplistic as possible. Everything else, everything else will fit into place, and, you know, that's what I tried to do. My focus is on doing well, and any outside influence, you know, if you, if you start letting that affect your game, then, you know, it's going to have... I, 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 think, I think Rob, he's right. I think we, 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 
we felt like we had to show something because we were local lads for your, for your, for your, for your fans and you know because you're representing your city but I tell, you, I tell you what the Liverpool fans if you're from Liverpool they're right behind you by the way if you, you could give a bad pass away they'll blame the other freaking person you know what I mean that wasn't his fault it wasn't Lowe's fault that was Barnes' fault <laughs> that's the way you were in many ways but you know the thing with Liverpool, the Liverpool fans as well and, and I think that the, they are the most knowledgeable fans out there and they they're respectful of the fact is that you go out there and you put a shift in and, and you know that they know that you're working hard for them then they'll, they'll give you every little bit of help that you need just just go out there and, and work for them that's all that's all they want uh, my favourite local boy was Tony Warner proper hero yeah yeah good keeper um, I mean for those who don't know, Tony Warner was, uh, he was the understudy, you know, you know Tony, don't you? He was the understudy to obviously a few of the keepers that we had. And he quickly got the, the nickname of Bonus because he never ever played for Liverpool, but he, he was sat on the bench and he'd collect the, the bonus. And I think it was in 95, we actually got to the, uh, the League Cup final, obviously the, where we beat Bolton, Steve McManaman final. And um, Bonus was delighted because in our contract, we, if we win this cup, I think we had, I mean, like a £5,000 bonus for winning this competition. And Bonus was delighted. And he went out there, he bought, he actually bought a new car with the money before. Hang on, it gets better, it gets better. So before, he went out and bought a new car before the final, because he was that confident that we were in it. About two or three days before the final, Roy Evans went out and bought Alex Chamberlain, who was a goalkeeper, to be sub. So bonus, bonus had spent his, he'd spent his winning money before he got, he, he never got it. Never got the bonus? Wow. He never got it. Did you all chip in and buy him a car? Yeah, I think we did actually. We probably never, to be fair. But he probably still made more money per minute's play than all the rest of you. He probably did. Well, did, hence the nickname bonus. It's probably up there with a great nickname in football, isn't it? When we look back at your career, uh, the sort of 2001 season, a lot of that ends up focused around Mike Lone, and it sort of feels like the latter stage of your Liverpool career, but like, geez, when you look back, you were such an integral figure at key moments. You were man of the match in the League Cup final, scored an unbelievable goal, uh, scored a fifth penalty for Liverpool. You play a big part in the FA Cup game. Uh, you come off the bench and score in the UEFA Cup final. How do you reflect on, on that season? Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have played more games, but I mean, what I'll think I've never ever done is I don't think I've ever let anyone down playing for Liverpool. That year, I scored a few goals. I wasn't a regular per se, so it was a little bit of a bittersweet season. You mentioned, I mean, I scored in the League Cup final, uh, scored in the UEFA Cup final, and as much as everyone thinks the 2001 was the Michael Owen final, we were losing 1 0 when I came on, so make it out what you want. <laughs> Honestly, how did you feel when Michael Owen was starting to break through? I'm delighted, honestly, because I'm a Liverpool fan and I want Liverpool to have the best players in the world. So if you've got a good player coming through and he's scoring goals, then, you know, if he's helping the team to get where you want to be, then I'm all for that. So there's certainly no bitterness or jealousy. When did people first start calling you God? And how good does that feel? <laughs> Uh, it genuinely is the best nickname in football, isn't it? It really is. I think. I mean, I I don't go round calling myself it much, much. Um, I mean, in all, it's a, it's a little bit. I mean, it, it's surreal at times because when you think of of all the great Liverpool players, and then all of a sudden there's this little skinny kid from Toxteth who gets called God. I mean, it's quite it's quite humbling, really. And 
it just shows you what of you know you know what what I'm like with the fans and what the fans are like with me. I think they I owe them in high esteem and, and they certainly owe me in high esteem and to get the nickname God off the Liverpool fans, I mean it's the best feeling ever. Yeah. So what, four times a day, five times a day, you call yourself God? I, I mean, I, I have the kids call them here, if that counts. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. It's only when they want money, to be fair. That, that's what... It is remarkable, John, when you look at Liverpool over the last 30, 40 years, how they continued to produce unbelievable strikers, either through buying them or developing them from Kenny Dugleish through to yourself, Ian Rush, and then Robbie comes on the scene, then Michael Owen comes on the scene, maybe there's a short gap of two or three years before next thing Fernando Torres comes in, straight to Luis Suarez, straight to Mo Salah. That is as good a 7A player as, as any club has ever produced in an attacking sense. Yeah, you know, you go back for even further to Roger Hunt, you know, in St. John, Tosha Keegan, my revolution home and away, they're fantastic players. Rushy and Dalglish and uh, yeah, something that you've got. See, to be successful, you always need someone up top to a striker who's going to get you 30 goals or so. And that wins your cups, wins your leagues, and the rest comes in accordingly. Uh, and it's something that you need. You know, hopefully Nunes, I'll be, I like him, you know, will fit in and we'll get him to fit in. Because you, Mo Salah, last four or five years, whatever, he's been amazing. The, goal, the amount of goals he scored, and then the goals, goals get you cups, goals get you titles, um, and it takes the pressure off other people having to score. If your centre forward's not scoring goals, then it's got to be shared around to get you where you need to be, or you've got to have the best, you know, tightest defence in the world. When you came back to the club, was actually probably in a period where they were struggling to find somebody to score a lot of goals. There was a lot of good attacking players, like Crouch was there, Marientes was there, but none of them were scoring 25 goals a season. Uh, like That return, I think, for everybody here was such a, a special thing. And I was at the game against Fulham where you scored your first goal back, and like, the atmosphere that night was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. It was. It wasn't a joy for Liverpool, it was a joy for you, it felt like, that everyone wanted you back and to experience the love of the Liverpool supporters yeah. again. What, what's that like? I, I mean, it's the best feeling in the world. And I mean, I've been on, you know, document you know, plenty of plenty of times saying, my best moments in, in football was going back to Liverpool. Now, although I'll tell you, it's great winning trophies, it's great scoring goals, but playing for Liverpool is brilliant. But to have two spells and get back to the club that I loved and, and called home, I mean, there's no better feeling in football. And for me, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Was that one of the days when you were calling yourself God when you were arriving back into training I, I, for the time? I, back. I'm not being... I was calling myself everything when I went back to Liverpool. <laughs> everything. Honestly, it, it is. I mean, it's such a surreal experience. I mean, you've mentioned the players that they had. Ironically, when I first made my debut, the first spell, Liverpool, Liverpool strikers at the time were struggling to score goals. Uh, Rushy was was struggling, uh, unbelievable player. Ronnie Moran, uh, Ronnie Moran, Ronnie Rosenthal was still there, scoring, not scoring goals. Nigel Clough had just been bought for two and a half million, but someone came in or needed to come in and score goals, and that's probably why I got my chance because uh, I was scoring goals for reserves. And obviously the second time you just mentioned, Morien says, Cisse, Crouch were all were all there, 
And Rafa Benitez has just said he needed someone to come in and give everyone a little bit of a lift and, you know, just get the place the place rocking again. And uh, I certainly made it happen. Because Benitez would, in a way, be seen as a very unemotional coach. Like It felt out of character for him to do something like that, to bring a, a figure like you back into the club. Well, I, I think he just understood what, what I was like with the, uh, with the club. You know, I'd, I'd met him a few times um, in, in 2005, obviously, before I went back. Uh, and... I mean, his, his love for the club was brilliant, and you could see. So, I mean, people think he's quite cold, and he's quite like direct in terms of how he treated the players. But he certainly wanted a win, and he wanted someone to come in and just give the place a lift. And I'd like to think I, I did that. And did he give you the 2005 jersey from Istanbul as well? That's why I've got on. Yeah. That's what I've got on. I feel a bit of a fraud wearing this, but I was there anyway. I was. You there. went to the final. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, I was there as a Man City player. <laughs> That's the, club, that's the closest they've got to winning the uh, Champions League. I said I went to 2000. Uh, where were you sitting in Istanbul? I was in the main stand. The main, I, don't, I don't know the name of it. But. And did you go celebrate with the players afterwards or were you just with your mates? Oh no, I was, I was, I was with my mates. In, um, I can't really tell you where I went, can I? <laughs> a good night it was had by all. It, it was a good night anyway, it was a good night. It certainly was a good night. Uh, John, you're the end with Liverpool obviously felt quite sudden though I was watching an interview with you I think on the day you were leaving you seemed quite pragmatic about it because they were getting a good fee and you were in your 30s and all that the day you find out you're leaving the club what was that actually like considering how much it meant to you to play for them and how well you had done yeah it was, it was really strange because obviously I'd scored 63 goals in 104 games which it's not bad is it uh, and then next minute, you're getting told, you're getting told by, by the manager that, you know, you're not going to play uh, and that a club's come in for you and, you know, at your age, you, you're best going and playing. You know, I didn't need to be told that because I'm not a dickhead, you know what I mean? So I, I, I knew the score. Uh, so, so it was really, it's really tough because, you know, you, Liverpool... Anfield is my second home from when I went to my first game and, and knowing that that game was my last game of my life to wear the shirt, you know, it was, um, it was really, it was, it was cutting, you know, it really got choked up. I'm not a very emotional person, but, but that night it really got to me, you know, it really did. I actually went and threw my shirt in the crowd and I threw my boots in and he threw them back at me. And uh, <laughs> no one invested, and 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 they had to get off the quick, off the off the, the, the pitch quickly because, oh yeah, I was really choked because it was a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a nice moment really. You know that my dreams had finished in such a short period of time, two and a half years, you know, 100, 104 games. But hey, look, I loved every single minute on that pitch for the Liverpool, and every goal was was so special. And Aldo's going to give us a repeat performance tonight of those last moments with the full strip tease again, I hear. It's all right, it's all right. We'll come back to it later. Was that last game, was the 9-0 was the against Crystal Palace? The 9-0 against Palace, yeah, yeah. The lads were brilliant, you know, and then um, we got a penalty and Kenny must have felt sorry for me. He said, do you want to go on and take the penalty? Say goodbye. So I just went on and slotted it, you know. Um, and, and you know the rest is history 
But uh, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just lucky to have lived the dream like Robbie. You know, we, we, we played, in our opinion, for the best club side in world football. You've described it well there, how difficult it was. But when you think about it in practicality, like probably you're, when you left the first time, there was a sense it was probably coming to an end. There were issues with the manager. There was other strikers emerging. Like you've just scored, as you said, 63 goals. You've scored 60 goals in two seasons. You're at the absolute peak of your powers. When when you've that conversation, are you absolutely shell shocked? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was, you know, but the um, the signs were, were there early in the season. That, um, the, 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 one of the signs, I don't normally tell this story, but we, we always play before the uh, Charity Shield on a Saturday. We play in Arsenal. So on a Wednesday, we always used to have uh, the reserves versus the first team. And the first team was going to play at Wembley, you know, on the Saturday. And I was in the reserves. Uh, and I was top scorer in, in pre-season. And, and, and I missed a lot of the games because I had a problem with my elbow. So I thought, oh, I thought, well, I'm not going to play in the Charity Shield. I'm a sub. So I played the game at Anfield, full scale, 90 minutes, as a, as a 31-year-old. And I, I gave it everything. We got beat 3-1, I scored for the reserves. And I was, I was at the shower and, and I came back in the dressing room and Roy Evans come in to me and said, John, go and have a sleep because you're, um, you're playing the Stafford Rangers tonight. <laughs> I said, what? You're playing the Stafford Rangers tonight? I said... Hold on a minute, I'm 31 years of age. Last time I played two, two games in one day, I was at fucking school. I said, you're having a laugh. And he went, just go home and do what you have to do. So I knew then. So I played, I went and played the Stafford Rangers. Me and Mike Marsh played up top. We won 2-1, I scored at Stafford Rangers. And um, I, went and, I went to Liverpool the next morning about half past seven and sat outside Kenny's office waiting for him to come in. And he had a good chat with him. Uh, a very good chat with him, and uh, I, but I knew before then, like you know, the chips were down for me. There was nothing down for me, so you got to take it on the chin. You're never going to, you're never going to win with your managers and, and whatever. When it's time to go, you've got to take it and get what you can out of the club and, and move on. When you think back, you went through all those unbelievable players you played with and that were able to provide you with the goals you scored. Who was the guy, who was the one that you think back when he got the ball, when he got the ball midway inside the opposition half, your eyes lit up? Um, do you mean my colleagues? Oh, Barnsley. Your colleagues, yeah. Who was the one, oh, who John was the teammate Barnes. you enjoyed playing with the most? John Barnes was, he was just ridiculous. And then, I'd actually go as far as to say, in, in them, them three years, well, two years seasons, Barnes, he was right up there with the best in the world. Right up there, the best. The only problem that he didn't get any accolades was the English press, you know, playing for England. They expected him, with a different system and different players, to do, replicate for England what he did for Liverpool. It's a little bit unfair. And we weren't in Europe, obviously. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, if he would, we would have been in Europe, and, and Inter Milan had a great side, you know, but they... If we were in there, we were in the mix. We'd have had a great chance of winning the Champions League. But unfortunately, we weren't. And if that would have happened, Barnes, he, he could have been the best player on the planet. You had some time with him as well, Robbie, but I assume Steve McManaman is always the answer to that question? 
Yeah, it is. I mean, I was lucky enough to play with some great players. I mean, the obvious one, Stevie G. Stevie G was a phenomenal player. We all know how good he was. Uh, I played with Barnsley when he was a centre midfielder, and he was still class. Probably, maybe a regret of mine is I never played him as a left wing because he was he was absolutely one of the world's best at what he done. Um, but and obviously he's a great mate of mine. There's a little bit of bias involved here, but Steve McManaman was was an absolute start of a player. He feels massively underappreciated when you look at all that he achieved during his career and look I'm sure a lot of people in this room are frustrated with what uh, happened with Real Madrid but even the success he went on to achieve there as well. Yeah I, I mean a great lad and a great player but what the, the fact that I love about him I mean he's I think Gareth Bale is over talking now but he, he went over to Real Madrid and played with the, uh, the Galacticos and never looked out of place and that tells you something about Steve McManaman as a player. We're going to get a load of questions from the crowd as well in a few minutes. I did just want to ask you about the current team and this season. And I don't know if, there's, if it's possible to compare to around 2001, because that team actually in 2002 went on and finished second. But they played every game in 2001 like they played last year. And one of the reasons that's been given for the struggles is that just put so much into last season that they're struggling to get the energy levels back up. You were there at that time. Like, is that a is that a realist a real issue? I, I think it plays a factor. I think obviously so near, but you know so so far away from winning it. I think the fact is that the last year was was a, a bigger squad that would, they were based on momentum, and I think that that's probably what they've lacked this year. They haven't really had the, the eleven that Jurgen's wanted to play. It's been very stop start the season, uh, and look. We, we know Liverpool and Liverpool are at their best when they're in full momentum and you just, you just haven't got that at the minute but they'll get it they'll get it back you confident they'll get it John? no confidence um, at the moment no um, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a realist uh, but I'm just I'm just delighted that the World Cup I don't want I don't, I'm not looking forward to the World Cup I wasn't but I'm glad this come at this moment in time for us to regroup get the players back because we've, we've had a lot of players out I don't want to make excuses but you know you, you know you, you can only do work with the tools that you've got available as Jürgen say so get all the players back you know get, get to Boxing Day and start again and then I'd like us I really would if possible get going to the market in January we did it for Diaz last year and it was a great signing for us and I'm sure we can do it again you know you can still get players in in January, really good place, even though it is difficult, as we know, and then start again. And, 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 and these players and this, this manager, we can, we can go from December to May unbeaten in the league. We've just got to get that belief and confidence and unity back and the balance up top. The balance up top is not quite right and in midfield, but we've got time to make amends now. Let's, let's get something at Tottenham Let's uh, get past Derby County in the cup, and let's get three points against Southampton, and then try and get them in the cup. I think what confuses a lot of people at the moment, Robbie, is how can the performance against Manchester City and the performance against Nottingham Forest happen within a, a week of each other? I think that's just testament to how Liverpool are at the minute. You know, when you are successful, teams run that little bit more and, and teams try that little bit harder when they're playing against a great team and I think teams have shown Liverpool that much respect that they're trying to outwork them and do them Liverpool as we know are, are, are full of energy and um, you know when, when teams match them they've struggled and 
that, that's what's happened with Liverpool. I think they've been a victim of their own success and just teams want to beat them. All right, we're going to talk a lot more about that in a few minutes, but we do want to take a quick break so you can all grab yourselves a Carlsberg at the bar. And let's take a break for 15 minutes, but we'll be back in the next 15 minutes. We get your questions to Robbie Fowler and John Aldridge. Uh, I mentioned you're wearing the uh, 05 jersey, Robbie. What was your question for me, Robbie? What was your favorite Liverpool jersey? And were you obsessed with jerseys? Did you, did you care about what they looked like when they came out every summer? Oh, oh God, yeah. I, I mean, I think everyone has a favorite kit. I think my kits were, um, I mean, I've seen a few of them now. Probably the one with the, uh, the, the cricket style, with the, uh, the, cr the cricket collar. That was probably my favorite one. And, the, and certainly the green and white quartered one. I think any kit that you score goals in is, is probably your favorite. And obviously they were probably my best years in, in them kids. John? Um, wow, jeez. I love every... Yeah, the one in Mexico in 94, that was yeah. a great kit, wasn't it? That was a really good kit. Should have gotten on a bit that quicker. Was, that was a, the white one was lovely. Um, but um, the Liverpool kit, I'd have to say... Do you remember the... Um, it was the waist strip, like a, like a silvery oh, grey. Yeah. The first one was, it was like flecky. And, I think we got that, one up that here. That was the first somewhere. one ever. Someone got it on. Uh, no, that, I like that, to be fair. But all, all the kids going back from when it just had a little live bird there. Remember the little live bird there in, in this class? So we got a load of questions in from everybody in the audience. One of you will pick one in a while. We'll get an exclusive meet and greet with Robbie and John. We'll run through some of these. Dave O'Sullivan. Where are you, Dave? Where are you, Dave? No, no, Dave's gone quiet. Hey Dave, hey Dave, yeah. Good man, got the super value shopping in before he came, well done. One for everyone in the audience. Good is this man. the Irish Nunes? Do you think you're a cover because you like Nunes or something? <laughs> He's a bit old for a man bun, isn't he? <laughs> Dave, Dave wants to know, who did you enjoy scoring against more? Everton or United? Man United. Oh, God, both of them. Yeah, <laughs> he scored lots against both yeah, of them, so. Yeah. That's hard to pick, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love scoring against both, man. When you score against... Just, but just say something, that not a lot of people know, but know this, but Alex Ferguson's first game for Man United, who was the first player ever to score against him? Yeah. Fucking me. Yeah. Oxford United. Two Man United nil at the Manor Ground. I got the first. That was that was your version of putting the five fingers up to the United fans, was it? When uh, generally when you scored against United or Everton, if it was away from home, would you run towards the Liverpool fans or would you run towards the Everton United fans? You're wrong. It, it depends what end you're at. If, if I mean I've, I've been lucky enough to score against Man United plenty times. And, and if they're the nearest fans to, to where you score, you, you run into them. I actually done a score against them uh, for Man City as well. I, I think he must have. Any, you think of the three biggest clubs Man United don't like. So it's Leeds, Man City, and Liverpool. And I've played for the three of them. So. <laughs> uh, Linda Harney. Linda, you're getting your question. Linda, we're going to give you the meet and greet. You're very excited to meet the two lads. Security to go up though as well. If you weren't a football player, what would you be? 
We all know the Peter Crouch answer to this question. Yeah, uh, un unemployed. <laughs> unemployed. If you were a footballer, what would you be? Um, well, 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 I was actually a toolmaker by trade before I got into football. I actually done my apprenticeship. Uh, so I've been making cars. I haven't got a clue. I, I, <laughs> I, I was football all the way, mate. I was going to be a footballer. Uh, Keith Weston, would you rather be coming through the ranks now or when you did? Would you get in the team now? Would I get in the team now? At 60, I guess when you were coming through at 17, 18, would you prefer to be coming through sort of early 90s as you were or in the modern time where it feels a lot more difficult for young players to emerge? I mean, I'd, I'd like to have played to Liverpool any era. Uh, I think if you were talented enough and, and good enough, then you'd, you'd certainly play. I mean, the obvious one now, there's, there's, um, there's a little bit more money involved in the game now. So, But I'll be honest with you, we, we actually done okay in terms of what we were earning. So, yeah, if I could do it all again, I'd do it all again. So, regardless of what era. 18-year-old Robbie Fowler's getting plenty of game time in this team. I'd, I'd score a few more goals as well. Yeah. Uh, John, you obviously came through in a different way, as you said earlier. You know, you really worked your way up through the ranks. Would you like to be starting out in modern football? Because obviously here in Ireland, we look at the decrease in the amount of Irish players who are coming through in the English game. There's, you know, a handful of players in the Premier League at the moment. I'm just glad I played in football when it was a great era. Um, you, you could actually enjoy yourself. You could go out for a few beers after the game, day after with your dad and enjoy on the back of what Liverpool fans enjoyed seeing us win. And it was a great time to be a footballer. Um, I just wish that we would have been in Europe to, to prove ourselves in Europe, obviously. But it was, it was just a great time to be. Look, life's not all about money. You can, you know, I, I can't understand why some players, you know, want this and, and go, go to extremes and then move on when you can just enjoy yourself, just get 200 grand a week, whatever it is. And they're going for 300 frigging grand a week. The kids won't even spend the money. The grandkids won't even spend the money. What's it all about? I guess you got that experience of being away with a group though in Ireland a lot. So you have very cherished memories, I'm sure, of how much crack it could be when you're out on tour. What's that? I mean, the, the, the Irish? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. You had too much crack, it's got to be said. I had the best times. God, the, the times you had 10 years playing under Big Jack, it was, was just priceless. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when, do you know how I still dream about Jack? You know, I, I didn't realize how much I loved him. You know, he's, he, had, he had such a massive influence on me, and you know, I was, I was his first ever signing, if you like, to use the granny rule. He, caught, he brought me in, and, uh, and we, we were very, very good friends, and uh, I really miss him. And I'm not being corny or talking stupid. I think about him a lot, you know, he's a great, great man. And um, we've done some interviews today. And for the life of me, I just can't understand why there's not a statue of him by the ground. It's just absolutely ridiculous. You can go to Cork Airport. They've got, well, I was there the other day. They've moved that statue in Cork Airport with the fishing to another part of the airport. Great respect. They've got one in Ashington now, quite rightly so, where he's from. Get one in the Aviva Stadium. If the FAI can't fucking, if they can't, they can't afford it, then have a whip round between us all. We'll pay for the bloody thing. 
maybe we'll start the campaign tonight. It, 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 yeah, it, it makes absolutely. no sense at all that there is no acknowledgement of a morale oh, slammed down the road for all he did for Irish football. You could tell that warmth the day that Jack died, the day that Jack died, that the warmth of the tributes that he was far, far more to all of you than just the manager. Absolutely. Great man. Great man. He done more for this country than any politician has ever done, and as well. Robbie, you said earlier there was a there was a bit of Irish blood there somewhere you felt, but way too far back. What's that? That is. What happens once they started? This is what he does when he's back in Dublin. It's so always good to be in Dublin, isn't it? In Dublin, he's gone. Ole, 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 I'm from Liverpool, so there's definitely a bit of Irish in me, isn't there? There's definitely. Uh, Mark has a question, didn't give a surname. At halftime in Istanbul, did you have any hope that we could come back and win? You didn't pull a, it was a story of uh, George Best who uh, might have left the Champions League final a couple of minutes before it ended. You stuck it out to the bitter end? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm like everyone else. I actually thought we were going to get smashed and I, I was a bit worried I was going to be five or six. So, I mean, the second half was, was incredible, wasn't it? But I was honestly worried that it was going to be a lot more. Thankfully, it, it, it wasn't. Stephen O'Connor, where are you, Stephen? Uh, Stephen, this question for you, John, uh, following up from uh, the little sing song there. What was your favourite moment in an Ireland jersey? Um, I, have to, I have to be quite honest. I had so many, so many. Um, but... It was, it was, we got the quarterfinals against Italy, so, you know, some fantastic, but I really did love the first time we beat England 1-0 at Stuttgart. That was the best one. Because, um, you know, Barnsley and, and Peter was playing for the game, and Steve Mamar was on the bench, and, and all, all my friends in Liverpool, it was great banter, because a lot of people in, in Liverpool, believe it or not, sports Ireland, you know, especially in Liverpool, and it was great, we had great banter, and, and to beat England, because it was the first time we ever beat the money, you know, and, and on the big stage, it was to show the world that we were a proper good team. And, uh, and, and, and the, the best part of it was the Dubliners come to the, to the hotel that night and we sang with the Dubliners all night. It was fucking brilliant. Do you remember that, Robbie, when Ireland beat England? I do, actually, I do, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Aidan Gallagher, which current player reminds you most of yourself in terms of style and quality? Messi. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, I don't know. 
I, I, you, are, you were so good though that you are still the benchmark. Even the other night we were talking about players and doesn't have that natural finishing ability of a Robbie Fowler. I mean, it, it's, a gen, it's genuinely nice when you've got great players talking about, you know, sort of how, I mean, I said before how, how like, humble I am. And when, it, it, it's, it's a bit embarrassing up here telling, you know, who reminds you of, of you. It, it's not for us to say. I think it's better when other players or other people say it. But when you've got, you know, world-class players telling you that you're, you're not a bad goal scorer, I must have done something right. John, John is somebody in mind for who, uh, who watches the minds of you. Which current player do you look at? Yeah. Who, who reminds me of me? Yeah. Harlan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, um, he's a great player. Fair play to him. Manchester City paid 53 million for him. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> if you knew the real price, you wouldn't believe it, by the way. Anyway. He didn't, he didn't score in the first nine goals of the season, did he? He's a quality nine. player, but he paid, he paid double that amount. Take it from me. But anyway, um, I'd say probably Jamie Vardy. A little bit like... Um, but he's not as good as me in the air. You know, I was better than him in the air. Uh, Jimmy Maguire, where are you, Jimmy? Jimmy's hiding out there. Uh, who out of the current squad would you have loved to play alongside? I, I think I think the obvious answer is Salah. I think he's uh, his, his record and stats are brilliant. Um, I think Mo, Mo Salah, certainly as a forward. You know, we love love playing with players who not only score goals but can assist. And I think uh, Mo, Mo's Mo, Mo's outstanding in it. Uh, for me. I'm looking at the current team and the great team, but who, who would fit in, in the team that I played for? And, and you know, Steve Nichol played left back. You had Hansen, you had Gillespie, you had McMahon and, and Ronnie, then the, the, the ones I spoke about. Trent Arnold. Trent Arnold, right back, would be unbelievable in our team for me. The one that, that could probably get in and fit in. You know, with all due respect to Barry Venison, who was a great player, Trent there with the deliveries he puts in was well, well the likes of me and Robbie, wow. Barry Venison has better hair. Yes. I would have thought you would have said Trent. Uh, you, you know what? I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying well, that. Well, that's you the ball. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying it as a, as a forward, Mo, but I mean, what you're saying is spot on. Trent Alexander, as much as he's getting a little bit of stick now, he's absolutely world class. And the, the balls he puts into uh, into areas where we'd like to maybe score from, I think he, yeah, that's a great show. Trent is brilliant. Me, me and Robbie, we, see the, with all due respect to like Bobby and, and, and the forwards and all that, they do a lot of work outside the box. We knew when to go outside the box, but we knew more to get inside the box. That, that's the way we played. And this ball, some of his balls come in and I'm, I'm, I'm hanging my head going, what's that all about? Why has no one got on the end of that? They're that good. He, Quality, regardless of what people say to him defensively, going forward, he's the best fullback in world football. Nowadays, when we're talking about top strikers, we always talk about whether they fit into the system, like top half, but he worked hard. Do you look at that Liverpool team and think at your peak, you would be able to do whatever Klopp wanted from you? Good, good players adapt. Good, good players adapt to whatever situation is put in front of them. So I think when, certainly when. When, when I was playing, you know, there was maybe a shout of you can't play with him or you can't play with him. The fact of the matter is, if you're a good player, you can work your game around anyone who plays. Um, and we're sat here as ex-Liverpool players 
would love the opportunity to play for Jürgen Klopp because he's an outstanding manager and I think we love managers who are great man managers managers who are technically and tactically brilliant and Jürgen ticks every box so I think we'd both love to play for him uh, Nevin from Croatia where are you Nevin? Oh, is that the bar? the man? is uh, wondering Robbie if Steven Gerrard is the best midfielder you've ever played with or is it somebody else? No, I think Stephen would would be up there. I think it's obvious. I think uh, I mean Steve McManaman is probably my favourite player to play with. Uh, he, he's obviously a class as a midfielder, but Stephen runs King Kenny as Liverpool's greatest ever player. So that tells you something about Stephen as well. I'm always surprised. I don't know why when I talk to say players of your era, John, and they they agree with that. Considering you played with Kenny, you saw him at his absolute peak. That Gerard got, got gets that close to. Well, in, in my humble opinion, um, see, I always say the best player to play for Liverpool, apart from Robbie, was Steve Gerrard. Uh, I think you've already answered best player you played with. Best player you ever played against? That is genuinely, I mean, as a forward, I wasn't phased about playing with it against anyone. Um, as a forward, you go out there and you, you're worrying about players, then that ruins your game, so... Yeah. And who was, was there, there must have been one defender that the night before the game, you got, oh, this guy is... No, genuinely not, no, I think, don't get me wrong, I played against some wonderful players. I mean, you look at the likes of Rio Ferdinand, Yapstam, Jonathan Woodgate, but the probably hardest players you played up against was the defenders who played in your team. You, you're training against them every single day, and they, they were all incredible players as well. Yeah, I had three. There was, there was uh, Brazy. He's one arrogant bastard. Uh, great player. Maldini. But one of our own, Big Paul, Big Paul McGrath. Uh, Linda Marnie, who was your favourite player of all time? Who did you worship growing up? My, my two favourite players growing up, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I loved goal scorers, the likes of Aldo Rushy, they were brilliant, but my two favourite players were both played for Everton, which were Graeme Sharp and Trevor Stephen. It's honest though, isn't it? Silent, please. Oh, yeah, I know, understand. I actually can't stand Everton now, to be fair, like, but you're all right. I'm, ba I'm back in the good books again, I'm back. My mind was obviously Roger Hunt, from a Liverpool point of view, but... My favourite player of all time is Pelly, because, you know, I obviously as a kid, he was the best player in the world. And even now, you, you had Maradona and all Messi's and all these great players. I, in, in, my, in my eyes, Pelly will always be the best player in the world. At Dwayne Dugan, I have a really good question. What moment in the game that you were watching from the touchline at the stand do you wish, wish you were on the pitch for? So a game that you were at that you weren't playing in, that you would have loved to been out there and you feel you could have influenced? Um, in a game that we, we, we played in? No, you didn't play it. We're just watching it. Istanbul. Yeah. I think that's the obvious answer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if I could go back and change any game, I'd change the 96 FA Cup final. That's the one game I would change. The suits or the actual match? The results. The results. The suits were brilliant. The suits were... There's nothing wrong with the suits. Suit? I've still got it, yeah. Where is it? It's, it's actually in a, a museum in Manchester. It's in a football museum. Still got it. 
Anyone thinking of getting married on a beach and you want to borrow a cream suit, just give us a shout. Available for renting. <laughs> uh, Kelsey Davis, uh, no pressure, as a manager, Kenny Douglas or Jurgen Klopp? <laughs> I mean, I don't get me wrong, I, I love Kenny, but I mean, Jürgen's now. Um, I'm, I'm having Jürgen. Pat Bulger on a related note, who was the best manager you worked with and why? Sorry, who was the best manager you worked with in your entire oh, career? There's only one. Jack Charlton. Flicking up. Now, with all due respect to, you know. They're going to go for it again. I, play, I, played, I played for, you know, all the managers I respected massively. Good managers. For Jack Charlton for 10 years. As I don't need to say anymore. Just, we all know it. Just love it. My favourite manager was Roy Evans, and the way Aldo speaks about Jack Charlton is, is uh, it, it screams his man management was brilliant, and Roy Evans' man management was very good as well. So he was my favourite manager. Real father figure for you. He was a bit of a father figure in, in the dressing room. He, he was. He, he played us, and I think he had a lot of confidence and faith in me. So when you've got a manager like that, then you want to go out there and you want to perform for him. So yeah. Uh, Deborah O'Sullivan's wondering if your other halves support Liverpool or if you had to convert them. If our other halves support Liverpool. Um, if, if your wife supported Liverpool, does your Liverpool. wife support Liverpool? Deborah, Deborah is interested. Oh, yeah, thinking, right? I wouldn't have married her otherwise, no chance. <laughs> yeah, my, my, mine says she doesn't like footy, so. <laughs> Uh, John and Carol, we'll stop the recording. Your most memorable dressing room moments. Go on, John. It's, go for it. It's, honestly, it's re that is really, really tough. The magic moments in the dressing room. It's, it's always when you win, when they win the cup in it. You know, when they win the cup, the league. I think, I think when we won the league with Liverpool. Um, we won with a, with a few weeks to spare, you know, in, in 87, 88. We dominated the league, even though it wasn't the last game of the season. To get you, you know, to win the championship. And, and we, we, we actually went out and done the, the video for uh, the downfield drop afterwards. So we had a proper good night, you know. I can't remember much of the night, but it was a great night. And it was just lovely to get your first, you know, league champions. I think, I think mine was probably not a dressing room as such, I think it was a coach journey home from a game. So you think back to 2001, we won all the trophies and after the game, we couldn't celebrate because obviously we had another game a few days later. So as I said, we won the League Cup, won the FA Cup on the Saturday, we won the UEFA Cup on the Wednesday and then we qualified for the Champions League on the Sunday. That journey home was memorable. Stephen, uh, you probably answered this question already. What was your favourite moment in the Liverpool shirts? My favourite moment um, was getting a chance, was getting a chance to re-sign. I mean, nothing comes close to that. I, I was lucky enough to, to win trophies, score goals, um, but re-signing for Liverpool, honestly, nothing, nothing comes ever close to that. That that phone call, like when it comes in from Rafa Benitez, how long does it last, and what's your reaction afterwards? It, it actually lasted for about two seconds because I actually thought it was someone winding me up. I actually told him to piss off, so, and then he obviously phoned back and then I realised it really was him, um, and yeah, just come, come back to Anfield. I mean, I think I broke every speed limit record going just to get to Anfield and sign that contract. Yeah. 
What about you, John? I think, I think you probably touched on it earlier with 89 in the Cup final. Your, your favourite moment in the Liverpool jersey? Well, it, 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 it was a great moment, but it was filled with sadness as well. So I can't, I can't actually say. I think for the relief, yes. For the relief, that has to go in there. But whilst we celebrated, you know, we had to think about what happened before. So it was, it was very sweet, but it very sour as well. But, but yeah, I think it was, it was massive for us because it's something that we had to do for the families, you know. And we did celebrate, you know, to, to be, you know, because you, you had to celebrate it. Uh, Alan Dennis is wondering, I don't think it's uh, something to worry about just now, a uh, woman watching the Europa League down there. What's your worst nightmare? Man United winning the league or Everton winning the league? Man United winning the league. I mean, you know what, honestly, I'm not bothered if Man United win the league, I'm not bothered if Everton win the league, because a little bit different to all, though. I actually don't think about them, so I don't, don't care about them. I'm not bothered if they win, I'm not bothered if they lose, I'm just not interested in them, so it doesn't bother me. Am I focusing hey, on... By Liverpool? the way, by the way, Everton won't win the league. They will not win the league. Next year. I, 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 and neither will Man United, so we'll be all right. The next... Long, long time. Everton, unfortunately for my mates, are not going to win the league. And with a bit of luck, Man United will not win the league for a long time as well. All right, on that note, we have got to leave it. My thanks to Carlsberg and the Liverpool Football Club for putting on tonight to celebrate 30 years of their partnership. Please give it up for two absolute legends, Robbie Fowler and John Aldridge. The Liverpool Legends Roadshow, in association with Carlsberg on OTB. Always drink responsibly. Get the fact. Be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie.